You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Habakkuk is a prophet with a strange name. This is what he said, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my Savior. Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and He enables me to go on the heights. What's significant about this is that Habakkuk wrote this passage after Israel had been devastated by the Babylonian invasion. I want to repeat that. He wrote this passage after Israel had been devastated by the Babylonian invasion. All of the typical indicators of comfort and security in a Hebrew society, crops, livestock, food, had been destroyed. When you look around, all seems lost. The way of life as they preferred it was gone. But somehow despite the devastation, Habakkuk proclaims the greater reality of God's faithful love. Somehow he finds as his source of hope and strength the presence of Almighty God, and this becomes his strength. This becomes his strength to choose joy. We aren't Habakkuk. Sometimes we struggle to say we will be joyful in God our Savior. And though the fig tree does bud, and there is fruit in the produce aisle of Publix, and though the fields are producing food to fill the grocery store, though there are plenty of sheep and pen and cattle in the stalls, we still struggle to rejoice in the Lord. There are arguments all around us. Fear and anxiety are unwanted companions. Sickness and disease still robs us of those we love. And as if that ain't bad enough, some of us, where we are with our families or where we are in life in general, isn't where we hope we would be. And so we turn from Habakkuk to the shepherds. We turn to the shepherds and we see how the shepherds in the Christmas story were an undesirable class of people who by this time stood at the bottom of the social rung of the ladder. Tax collectors and dung sweepers. That's where they belonged, on the Palestinian social ladder. And as if that weren't enough, something is wrong in their world. They've fallen victim to religious snobbery and class prejudice. Herod isn't the king that God promised. Wicked foreigners have come far away with hatred in their eyes and weapons in their hands. Darkness and death is swallowing their land. People around these shepherds are suffering And their lot in life is to spend every day and night as lowly shepherds with the animals of the field. And it's in that moment, it's in that moment that God breaks in. And Luke tells us this in Luke 2, verse 8. 
In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, say it with me, terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Look. 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 Proclaim to you. Proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord, King the cosmos was born for you, for you, in the city of David. See, at the arrival of Lord Jesus, their circumstances no longer ruled their joy. There's a joy available to them that can rule their circumstances. Because the Lord and the ruler of all creation had come despite their darkness. Because Advent begins in the dark. No angel has ever appeared to me. Well, not like that. We haven't experienced a surprising interruption of God in our ordinary announcement, uh, in our ordinary day announcing great joy, some of us. And so we read this with cynicism. That is when we turn to the words of Jesus. Because Christ child would grow up, and he would prove that the light had entered into the land. And to his disciples, who were all kinds of confused by the talk of death and Jesus leaving them, like after giving him all of that kind of talk, after three years of giving him his life, he says this to them. He says in John chapter 16, verse 20, I assure you, you will weep and wail. Encouraged yet? Right? Like you will weep and wail. But the world will rejoice you know, because they'll kill me. You'll become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. When she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will rob you of your joy. All right. Jesus saw them again in resurrection. And you've seen Jesus too. And he says, no one will rob you of your joy. So what do we do with these reminders of joy? Well, among the many things, we remember that the joy announced by the angel and proclaimed by Jesus must be more than mere sentimentality. It must be as the great 70s rock band once said, more than a feeling. Right? Like we remember that joy is a state of mind. It's an orientation of the heart. It's a settled state of contentment. It's a confidence and hope, not in ourselves, not in our president, not in our country, not in our husband, not in our wife, not in our children. It is a hope not in those things. It is a confidence not in those things. It is a hope and a confidence in the sovereign love of God. Joy is the settled assurance that God is the King. And He tends to every moment of my life because we live every day in His presence as His Spirit lives within and among us. Joy is the quiet confidence 
that ultimately everything is going to be all right because Jesus is Lord and his kingdom will never fail or falter. Joy is more than a feeling because it's grounded in the lordship of Jesus and the promise that he will never abandon us because his spirit lives within and among us. Joy is a determined choice to trust in the power and the promise of the presence of God, a total allegiance to his lordship here and now as God's spirit works within and among us. And like the shepherds in the field, I find myself surprised by the presence of God. The joy of the Lord washes over me at times and I feel it bubbling up from within me as I confess with my lips and choose with my heart the reality of three simple words. Jesus is Lord. And it's in those moments that the feelings come back to me as I remember that joy is not the fruit of my own pursuits. It's not the fruit of what my country can do for me. It is not the fruit that comes from obliterating the threats to my personal security. It's not the fruit of my own efforts. It is, as the Apostle Paul says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Right? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes to me not when I sit idle, but when I choose to join God in His work in the world, when I choose to trust Him. The joy of the Lord comes to me not when I sit or lie down in life, but when I get up and as the Apostle Paul reminds me, walk in the Spirit, or to put it another way, to follow the way of Jesus. It's then that I remember that the joy of the Lord can never really leave me because the Spirit is always present and He's not leaving me either. You hear that? You may not feel the joy of the Lord, but it hasn't left you because the Spirit hasn't left you. God hasn't left you. So I must do as Habakkuk and choose joy. And trust in the second advent of God my Savior. I must do as the shepherds and receive joy because the promises of God have been made revealed in the Christ who has come and there are more to come. And I must do as the disciples would have to do and submit to joy. I choose joy, I receive joy, I submit to joy. Because here's the thing, we're all going to submit to something. We can submit to joy by trusting that Jesus is the Lord who always keeps His promises and that sorrow and sadness and sickness, not even death has the final word. Because Advent begins in the dark, Christ can be found in the darkness. I don't know where your darkness is. Your darkness may be physical ailments. Your darkness may be heart ailments. Your darkness may be mind ailments. Your darkness might be family or situation or circumstantial ailments, and they're starting to get the best of you. But when I know that joy is more than a fleeting emotion or some sort of ridiculous optimism, but that it's a settledness of mind and soul that doesn't run away or deny the sorrow or suffering, it doesn't deny that. Paul even said, I am sorrowful, but I will rejoice in the Lord. It's not, it's not denying any of those things. It's a, it's a settledness of mind and soul that rests in the Lordship of Jesus and that the hope of the second advent that comes as I live loyal to His life, loyal to His Lordship, and willing to submit all of these other things to Him, 
And then joy of the Lord then becomes my strength to carry on the next day. The joy of the Lord is my strength to be at peace in a world wrought with fear. The joy of the Lord becomes my strength to love in a society that so easily allows fear and self-centeredness to turn away love. The joy of the Lord will be my strength and I hope when instead of waiting for other things to make things happen for me, I will learn to wait for Jesus and walk with the Spirit and trust that He is coming and has come again. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings and He keeps His promises. And one of the promises that were made is that by His wounds we would be healed. And that He, because He's, he's going to make right what's been made wrong in the world. The fear and the hatred, the violence, the sin, the sickness, the death, it's not going to have the final word. So Jesus would later on and He would say, He would proclaim this kind of reality. This reversal of all things. See, in the Christ, everything began to reverse. And you hear it in Jesus' sermon on the mount when He said, Happy are the people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are the people who grieve because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts because they will see God. Happy are people who make for peace, not war and all the nonsense that we oftentimes make for, right? Happy are the people who make for peace because they will be called God's kids. Happier people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If we want to participate in this Advent and if we want to participate in the healing of God in our lives, we cannot sit here like spectators. The Christ child who is Lord of all tells us that we must join in the action that is taking place and be drawn into the reversal of all things ourselves. That God in Christ Jesus has disordered the world as we know it. For the sake of an alternative world that's in line with His promises. A world that is in line with His promises. That includes our healing as well healing of the hearts, the healing of the minds, the healing of the bodies, the healing of the souls. So all we have to decide is whether or not we will resign ourselves or whether or not we will push. Will we push? Will we pray until something happens? Or will we go ahead and just make it happen on our own? I invite you to pray until something happens. I invite you Choose joy today. I invite you to receive joy today. I invite you to submit to joy today.